It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Four o'clock hours here. You heard it. Reno's in. Of course, Vegas is on board. ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar is where Adam Hill is hanging out. We hang out there at Cofield and Company every Friday. It's inside, or inside Treasure Island, so... Get on down there. And tomorrow, we're back as a station. We'll have a 9A to 11A show with Magnum and Lindsay as they get ready for uh, the UNLV game, the college football slate, and the National Football League. As I mentioned, Adam is here. Damon is back in our Finley Toyota studios. Adam, did you get what I was saying at the end of last hour about the uh, El Paso feel is very much like Fresno and Albuquerque? Sure. Is that not what you expected? That would have been my guess. I don't know what I expected. I haven't – well, I shouldn't say this because I, I, I touted that I was going to be doing the show from somewhere on the border. Um, I haven't really been near the border yet, but I will make an effort to get down there. Um, I don't know. I just – you never know what to expect when you, when you get into a city, and Texas is always an interesting place. I will say El Paso also reminds me of – and I, I, you're going to go on a, a bashing run here. It also reminds me of in many ways, um, and it's more hilly, but it feels the same way as – Houston does, but I think that part of that is the roads, and that that's the thing in Texas. They've built these, like, major five-lane on each side highways with three-lane access roads, and everyone on the access roads is going is, – sometimes it's going faster than people on the highway. So it's a – I'll say it's a crazy place, but it feels like a place I've been to before, even though I haven't. Yeah, I feel like that part of Texas isn't really considered Texas. Like they kind of want to, they kind of want to be. Te- yeah, it's more New Mexico. They kind of want to be Texas, yeah. but they're not. Um, it's just a, it's a kind of a wasteland. Um, you may at some point see my dad driving around. Well, your dad's, he's in Las Cruces. I know it's kind of a sister city. He has to drive over this way. Well, he does because he does, uh, he does some rideshare down there. Right. And basically, the only place anybody ever wants to go is the airport, which is in El Paso. Right. So he's got to drive down there, and then it's a, a really kind of an unfortunate trip because you can't pick people up and come back to Las Cruces. No one wants to go to Las Cruces from El Paso. It's, it's a one-way drive. Oh, no. Yeah. All right, big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the big four at four. Number four. Well, Von Tobel was going crazy yesterday on this initial story about uh, relegation in college football and the possible formation of a Pac-2, Mountain West, AAC, maybe with some other schools, 24-school conference where, depending on your football success, you would move up and down three different divisions of eight. And also the money that would be distributed uh, because of football would go, more would go to the first eight versus the middle eight. And obviously, this, the smallest portion would go to the third eight. Do you like this idea? How could anybody not? I hate it. Oh, my God. You're, what is wrong with you? Well, you because hate it I because think Rutgers it, is going to get sent down. No, no, no. Um, I think it rewards the schools that have been there and have been getting money. And it's going to be a cycle that's hard to stop for the teams in the middle eight and the 30. It's just going to build upon itself. And I also understand why 
Boise State, an administrator came up with the idea, and Oregon State and Wazoo will probably like it because all they're thinking about is the now, where yeah. they feel like they're getting screwed on money. But here's the thing with those three schools. You ain't going to be on top forever. And we're already seeing some signs of fading from Boise. And I can't wait to see when Oregon State and Wazoo aren't getting $35 million a year, what their football programs look like. So be careful what you wish for uh, schools that right now are like, oh, we, you know, we're, we're looking down on these other schools. We'll see if that lasts. I mean, I just said it could be a vicious cycle where they stay there. But it also could be, hey, we're not getting the money we were getting. Maybe we really weren't as uh, high and mighty in football as we thought we were. Sure. Uh, all that's fine. But, I mean, look, it works very, very well in soccer. Uh, if, if you watch you know, English soccer, it's fantastic. Like there, there are those, a, are, are, are those universities that play in leagues with relegation, or are they owned by billionaires? Oh, well, they're yeah, they're wealthy teams. But yes, you yes. you see teams. Yes. So, but they, you also so you can see, spend so you can spend your way out of the hole. Not um, really. You, teams have tried it and you failed. Can't, you can't really. You can't really. So so then so relegation means that you you are where you are in all likelihood for a long time yeah but every year you have the chance to, to work your way up you have a great season you're you up said, and then if you're good enough you, you stay just said there. not really so yeah, i'm saying you like, can't just buy it sounds like you a can miracle get there no if you, no every year it's not there's it's not like a long shot if you win you move up and if you're terrible if you at the win. top you move down how many times right. does that happen every year there's there's wholesale changes Three, yes, three up, three down every year. Three teams move up, three teams move down every single year. Yeah. It's awesome. And it also creates a ton of interest at the end of the year when teams are trying to fight their, you know, fight and claw their way to, to, to move up or to stay up. Like, it's fantastic. It creates so much more excitement and, and enthusiasm for all, all throughout. It's, it, I, I don't, I never see, I've never seen a downside of it. I love it. It's one of the things I love most about watching Premier League and other leagues around the around the world that do it. It's great. Right. The top three teams move up. The bottom three teams move down. So but are the real good, big boys? Down. But are the real big boys those legacy teams? They Man U, Man United. Are they really Manchester City? Are they in worry of ever moving down? Because I feel like those teams are at a baseline to at least be average, even yeah. in their down years. Sure, those teams almost always stay up. But that, I mean, that's fine. That's. You're going to have teams like that all the time. There's going to be teams, of course. Alabama's almost never going to move down, of course, for sure. But, you know, other teams could. Like, I'm, sorry, Vanderbilt. Guess what? You're probably moving down a division, and you better be good at the lower division or else you're staying there. That's awesome. I don't, I don't, I don't feel that bad for Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt does get a full share of money from the conference right now. Um, it'll suck when it doesn't get a full share, and then it's going to be really tough for them to ever move up. And, by the way, your point on – on Rutgers, we've been through this many times. They came into the conference not getting a full share. They still haven't gotten a full share. Uh, they're moving towards more competitiveness now because they've generated their own money and their own funding. So they'll be fine when they get the full share of money. So that's not what I'm worried about. Um, and, and by the way, football is not everything. Um, I would be most proud of, of that school with the fact that kids who go there can actually get jobs after they get out of school in the area they live in, which is actually very unusual for the rest of many schools in the Big Ten. Number three. Not Michigan, but you get my point. Although, actually, it kind of is Michigan, because I'm sure there's not a lot of Michigan grads who are like, yippee, I want to go work in Detroit. So I'm sure they're coming east to the uh, the dreaded northeast. This will be generous counting Rutgers as New York. 
I can't. I don't even know what you're saying. Um, why were the Raiders calling on Cam Akers at running back? Now he's a Viking, but why were they calling on him? Uh, they, calling will on tell you, they will tell you that they weren't. Oh, is that right? That uh, an agent for a certain player put that out to try to generate interest. Okay. Instead of getting cut, I wanted to get traded. So I think that was maybe what happened. If, if they were interested... I mean, I think it'd be clear that they were looking to get him and trade Josh Jacobs away. Um, I think you've seen from the first. How much worse would the run game be if Josh Jacobs wasn't there? <laughs> well, it's pretty bad now. It, it would be worse. It would be. I, mean, I, I don't know if they would have a. I don't know if they'd have a five-yard loss on every carry, but yeah, uh, I think his he his, got he got tested last week. Well, the I, I think I saw his average. Uh, he's the average. Uh, time to contact is negative 1.1 yards, which means he's his average carry. He gets contacted by a defender 1.1 yards behind the line of scrimmage. So the fact that he's gained any yards is absolutely incredible. Like he's doing an unbelievable yeah. job as a running back. Uh, but again, like you wouldn't be that much worse off if you had just anybody. And I think that's the point of why they don't pay running backs. Again, I'm all for paying running backs a lot more money. But this is why. They tend to not matter. Schemes, scheme matters and blocking matters much more than who the running back is. Uh, so, I mean, I understand why teams don't want to pay them, but this is this is the dilemma that everybody's facing and why running backs are annoyed in the way that they are and why they want to fight the system. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would imagine that the reason, if there was any conversation about Cam Akers, was, hey, we'll take Cam Akers, we'll trade Josh Jacobs, and – you know, we'll see what we can get for him because we're not obviously going to re-sign him again. And the running game's not working anyway. Number two. The Raiders are enthused about playing in prime time on Sunday Night Football. They're embracing it. They want the nation to see what's going on. They say they are, although I will tell you uh, there's a couple players today that are not excited about the halftime speech. <laughs> they're, they're annoyed. They want to they get out of the field quicker. Uh, but, yes, they are. The halftime speech or halftime show? No, they're not excited about the speech because that'll keep them from getting back on the field for the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there there is a lot of excitement. And I know, you know, um, Josh McDaniels talked about it and said, hey, there's always that little boost of energy. Devontae Adams said it, too, that, you know, you know the entire league is watching, so you get pumped up a little bit. It's also a very historic rivalry, obviously, with the Steelers. Uh, so there's that aspect of it. Uh, today at practice, you know, Tariko and Collinsworth were out of the practice field. Uh, so you got you know you kind of know that it's a big game. Uh, there's there's that buzz going around for sure. Number one. How big is this game for Robert Spillane? Huge. Uh, he's he's played with the Steelers the last couple of years. Kind of been more of a role player. He was brought over to the Raiders to be a starter at linebacker. He's played pretty well. Um, and his family has a very very strong history with the Steelers. His grandfather uh, won a Heisman Trophy at Notre Dame. Uh, and was a member of the Steelers. Uh, Spillane has has always looked up to his grandfather. He's been his role model. Obviously, he went to the same high school his grandfather did and had to pass every day the uh, the trophy case that was dedicated uh, to his grandfather. So uh, a lot of history with the Steelers, and you know, Spillane is kind of carrying that on. By the way, how has the linebacking crew played so far for the Raiders? Uh, it's been, I would say, the strong suit of the defense. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, which is, I mean, obviously not. Did you did you expect that? 
Um, not particular. Well, I mean, they're, I'm not saying they're good. Just comparatively, it's a low right. bar. Has I, I think I think Diablo has been good, whether you put the bar low or not. He's been pre- he's been pretty good, yeah. And Spillane, I think he's been pretty good as well. I mean, if you look at tackles, certainly they've been very good. I think there's been some coverage issues at times, but um, I I think that they have been they've been very serviceable. I think you can easily say that, and that's more than you can say about a lot of units on this team. Uh, but yeah, if you went into the season saying, "Hey, look, they don't have good linebacker play," I think you're probably you're probably not correct about that right now because Spillane has been okay. Diablo, I think, has been um, even he's even taken a step forward from where he was playing last year before he got hurt, which is at a pretty high level. They've been good. Now the area of this defense that has not been good or rated well outside of Max Crosby has been the guys up front. What's happening? Yeah, or the secondary to a large degree. But, yeah, I mean, Bilal Nichols has really struggled. I know he got hurt and kind of battled through it a little bit, but he hasn't been very good. Jerry Tillery uh, has certainly not been what he was in a couple games at the end of last year, which was a solid player on the inside. He's been uh, a bit of an issue as well. Uh, Tyree Wilson is just completely overmatched at this point uh, in his career. So, you know, the, the plan of kind of easing Chandler Jones into, or excuse me, easing Tyree Wilson in behind Chandler Jones obviously got thrown out the window. They had to throw Tyree Wilson in there. And let's not, you know, I, I think a lot was made, and by me included, of the fact that Chandler Jones was much better with Jerry Tillery last year. But Jerry Tillery was better with Chandler Jones. They worked really well together. And so I think him not being there uh, has impacted Tillery as well. Uh, it's been a real problem up front, and when you don't have anybody else playing well up front, that means you can double-team Max Crosby, and there was large stretches of the game last week where he disappeared because they were just double- and triple-teaming him. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. These are my favorite parts of the show. We really test the limits of Lotus Broadcasting and what it can do technically. Adam Hill is at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Damon is in studio in our Finley Toyota studios. Matt Nevert is with us. He's a Mountain West Conference football insider. He is at the ballpark. I am in El Paso. Yeah, we're getting it done. Knock on glass on this desk here. Uh, Matt, what's going on tonight? I know it's a big weekend for the Aviators with Reno in town. There's some good giveaways and... Is Kevin Kruger there tonight or uh, sometime this weekend? Yeah, it is tonight. Uh, happy to come on with you guys. Really excited to uh, to be back on the show. Uh, yeah, Kevin Kruger in the house tonight. Uh, the Aviators taking on Reno in the final regular season series of the 2023 season. Final three games of the regular season tonight. He'll be throwing out the first pitch, so I'll be sure to give him a detailed breakdown with all the metrics and, and everything that we have nowadays in baseball. But, yeah, and then he's coming up and joining me on the air with Russ uh, with you in El, in El Paso, I'm doing these games tonight and tomorrow solo. So excited to see Kevin. And, yeah, Fireworks Friday tonight, Aviators wearing the Stars throwbacks. We're giving away an F1 style uh, racing giveaway Aviators shirt. And then uh, Sunday, nice. Fan Appreciation Day, uh, it's kind of a, a loose, free form giveaway where basically whatever they've got left, they're giving out. So if you mm-hmm. want free stuff, Sunday's the day to come. It's the final uh, day game of the year as well. Matt, you have a pretty good baseball background. If they told you, hey, on five minutes' notice, come down from the booth, uh, you know, Kevin pulled a calf muscle, you got to get on the mound, and you got to throw a strike, could you do it? Absolutely, yeah. I'm still in, uh, still in playing shape, I'd like to think. And uh, 
playing a uh, adult league uh, Sunday league team out here. So the arm, the arm's still still pretty good. The wing, the wing is still good to go. What about what about the nerves though? As long as you don't bounce it, that, that's all that matters. I don't know if you saw Stephen A. <laughs> yes. Smith versus uh, Bruce Star Gratterall's mom. That tells you all you need to know there. And he said it. He said it repeatedly this morning. He's like, once I got on the mound, it was a whole different world. He said he was afraid of falling over. That's my thing is if, is if I'm ever asked to throw a first pitch, first off, God help whoever asked me to throw one. But second off, you've got to go in front of the mound. If you go on top of the mound, you're ruining the hard work of the grounds crew. You're setting yourself up for failure uh, if you're not used to it. You've got to throw it on ground level right in front of the hill. That's a little I, insider tip for you. I disagree. It becomes way too easy. Like, you've got to challenge yourself. You've got to look like you know what you're doing. I, I would argue that it wasn't nerves with Stephen A. His form was awful. And I, I'd be okay with a terrible pitch if your form looks good. It didn't. His stride. Stride was too long, and he was yeah. throwing a dart. That's 0 for 2. Yep. I'm glad you caught that. It, the dart motion is the one that kills you because you are going to then overdo it and He's throw aiming. right into the freaking ground. Yeah, you're aiming. You're, um, I right. mean, you learn that in Little League. Don't aim. Of throw. Course, of course. Well, but you find out uh, no matter how old someone is uh, whether they played baseball or not because you can tell from their swing and you can tell from their throwing motion. It's just all, it's all out of whack. Definitely. Yeah, we uh, we say this all the time. Let's hit Mountain West Conference Sorry. games. Uh, Friday night, we got Boise taking on San Diego State. Should Boise be favored by six and a half? Uh, San Diego State. I mean, I'm not going to say San Diego State State season is over, but my God, at home, uh, you know, two teams that have been top five consistently. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a unique matchup here early in the season, and I think it's one that a lot of people, as far as conference play was concerned, had circled early on. Uh, but Boise State certainly uh, entering into this one with a lot of confidence coming off of a, a big win against FCS North Dakota last week. And, you know, they scheduled super aggressively to start the season. Uh, Broncos got smacked by Washington and then lost in a low-scoring game against UCF, who's really, really good this year. And they, there's a lot of comparisons between that UCF team and uh, San Diego State. So I, I think it's, uh, it's a really interesting matchup. And the, the Broncos are looking uh, to win their ninth straight conference opening game of the year so it's been one area that they've had a lot of success in now as far as the the, the point spread is concerned I don't know necessarily uh, if if that number is is a good one because you know San Diego State's played some really tough teams UCLA and Oregon State over the last couple of weeks after they lost to, to Ohio and uh, Jalen Maiden has been pretty good this year he had one bad game against UCLA he threw three picks there but he aside from that has been really dependable and he's a guy that they can you know trust to throw the ball 30 40 times a game if needed if they're having to play from behind we lean on Matt Never to do our uh, Mountain West Conference uh, weekly football breakdown he does the podcast for the conference cover 12 the other Friday game uh, starting at the same time tonight uh, you got Air Force in San Jose uh, Air Force has looked awesome. They have the number one defense in the country by the numbers. To me, this one all comes down to San Jose State getting off to a good start, getting a couple of stops, because their run defense is nowhere near what it used to be with uh, Kate Hall and Fajoko and Harmon. Uh, they allowed 229 on the ground last week to Toledo. If they can't get out to a start, force Air Force to not run the ball exclusively, then they might get boat raced here. Yeah, and Air Force has had the luxury of a, a number of uh, ball carriers this year, including the quarterback, Zach Larrier, the reigning uh, conference offensive player of the week in, uh, in Michelle. And they, they have done a good job of, of spreading it out. They've got four guys that have carried the ball through their first three games 40 or more times combined. And it's the, uh, the nation's top defense, as you had mentioned. Once again, they're the nation's top rushing offense. You know what you're going to get 
when you play the Troy Calhoun coached Air Force Falcons, but it's just a matter of assignment football. And the, the fact that they're the number one scoring defense, or total defense, I should say, in the, in the country, again, is almost a surprise when you look at the roster on paper. They're not big at all, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, but their linebackers uh, do a great job of filling gaps and you know, going against that triple option offense in practice every day. They, they are better than just about anybody in the country in terms of playing assignment football. And this one I'm going to be keeping an eye out for Chevin Cordero, trying to find ways to attack this this offense. The, the sixth-year quarterback, Chevin Cordero, all in the Mountain West. He's seen a thing or two, and uh, he really hasn't aired it out that much this year. He's been pretty conservative overall. And uh, with San Jose State coming in, winners of eight of their last nine at home, I think he's going to be with a little bit of confidence to take some big shots, especially early in this game. Because you'll remember last week when Air Force beat Utah State, they were up 22 to nothing after the first quarter. And that's really not what they're known for is those quick strikes, high-scoring quarters. But they were really able to do everything right off the beginning of the game and uh, just kind of rode that momentum to a big win last week. This is a big weekend from a rep standpoint, because when, and we're talking about the Mountain West here. Because there are a ton of games where teams are in three-point spreads either way. And a lot of the opponents have just become Division One programs, bumping up from FCS. Um, I know App State has a good reputation. I know you went there. Uh, what do you make of Wyoming at home only laying three against App State? I think that this is a, a result of bookmakers really not knowing how to compare these two teams. I mean, App State with their, their backup quarterback, Joey Aguilar, who started the year as the number two. Uh, Ryan Berger broke his hand in the opening game of the year, and uh, they, they've really relied a lot on the, uh, on, the, on the young quarterback. But they've also got a great, great running back, Nate Noel, who gashed East Carolina for 193 yards last week. I mean, they're coming off of a 465-yard performance offensively in a rivalry game at home, uh, and App State averaging over 40 points per game, which is in the top 20 in the country. Now, if there is a defense that is you know, enabled to stop them. It is this Craig Bull coached Wyoming team, which similar to Air Force does a lot of assignment football on the defensive side. And it's going to be a lot of man coverage. It's going to be, a, I, I think, a slow moving game. You know, I don't necessarily think that App State's going to be able to put up four with ease like they have done in, in a couple of their games this year. But uh, well, Wyoming really is going to have to rely on the, the offensive side to try, to try to keep this one as low scoring as it may be, try to keep it close because Ryan Peasley, not 100%. Uh, they've got a couple of different options as far as the, the backfield. But this is kind of a, a very unique matchup. All of a sudden, this App State team, which is traditionally known for its uh, defense and its kind of RPO-style offense, it's really transitioned into a downfield spread game offensively, which I, th I think this Wyoming team, especially in the defensive backfield, can match up against. And it's going to be a battle at the, in the trenches as well. This is a big Cowboys defensive line. Colorado State, they, they could they had the chance to be America's darling last week if they could have got the upset over Colorado. But do you think that you learn more from them in a loss? And what do you think they're going to do against MTSU this weekend? Well, I mean, I, that, that game was, at least so far, the most incredible game that I've seen this season. Uh, I think uh, a lot of people would agree. It was ESPN's highest-rated late-slot college football game ever. So, I mean, they had all the hype. They were going into a hostile environment, which all of a sudden uh, Folsom Field and Boulder sold out for the rest of the year. So that's not going to be the last time that they have a, uh, a really big-time environment like that. But for Colorado State, they, they didn't blink. It, what it took for that game was Shadir Sanders to just go completely berserk in the second half and in the overtime periods, and he 
single-handedly guided the Buffaloes to that win. This Jay Norvell team really sharp this year. They did a great job in the transfer portal. And the main thing for me is on the offensive side, after not scoring 20 points in any game last year, they've now done it twice against two Power 5 opponents. So while I think that the line may be correct with uh, Middle Tennessee State a, a slight favorite in Murfreesboro playing at home where they are traditionally a, a powerhouse, I think that this Rams team is, is much, much better than the 0-2 record so far would suggest. Uh, last minute here, what do you think Nevada does on the road? Uh, showed a lot better last week against Kansas, but getting 17 again here in Texas against Texas State in San Marcos, Texas. Yeah, they nearly beat Kansas last week, which is Kansas team all of a sudden out of nowhere becoming really solid in the, the Big 12. People forget Nevada right now with the nation's longest losing streak, but the last game they won, October of last year, against Texas State in Reno. So it's a team that they've beaten within the last calendar year, and I think if there's any team that they're going to, you know, surprise everybody and, and upset on the road, it would be this this Bobcats team playing at home. And, and we'll see. I think that that Kansas program is really one that Nevada can kind of base itself off of as, as far as, you know, coming from futility and really competing in a big-time conference. Go on Twitter at Mountain West. They uh, tweet out the Cover 12 podcast. That is a coverage of the uh, entire group of football teams around the Mountain West Conference and Matt Neverett along with Nate Kreckman, put that podcast together. All right, real quick, what's the prediction for UNLV against UTEP? I think UNLV is buoyed with confidence, and they, they should be coming off of that big-time win against Vanderbilt. And uh, it's, it's going to be a, a good game, I think, as far as the, the quarterback play. If, if Doug Bremfield is indeed healthy and, and is indeed, you know, with another week of prep and practice leading up to it, I think that they're going to really start to break out some of the gadget plays as far as the go-go offense. And I think that this is a game where if they take a lead early, look for them to really try to supplement it with some big plays. Matt, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you. Happy to help you guys anytime. Uh, aviator season wrapping up this weekend, and then Steve and I on the call of UNLV Hawaii next weekend back at home at Allegiant Stadium. All right, Matt, thank you. Yep, Absolutely. I'm glad he mentioned that because uh, if UNLV can get this win against UTEP, the energy is going to be really high for the game against Hawaii. So uh, that is an earlier start than uh, we usually experience, a 1 o'clock start at Allegiant. You can grab your tickets for the Hawaii game at UNLVtickets.com. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, rolling into the second half of the show. Uh, you heard it. Adam Hill is over at Treasure Island. Uh, I am on the road in El Paso and back in the Finley Toyota Studios. It's Damon as we're on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. This uh, hour is brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Give them a call. At 766-1400 from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Offices in Henderson, Las Vegas, and in Reno. Make sure you dial 775 in the north. All right, Adam, we have a chance now to start turning our attention to the National Football League. And we're only a couple of weeks into the season, and already some of the rookie quarterbacks are having troubles. Uh, not necessarily on the field in terms of their play, although Bryce Young hasn't been great. But both Bryce Young and... Richardson, uh, Anthony Richardson, of course, the Colts, Bryce Young, the Panthers are going to miss this week's game. Yeah, and, you know, as you mentioned, Young, Young has kind of struggled, and so he's going to miss two games, and I don't know that the Panthers are necessarily that upset about it uh, just because it'll give him a chance to kind of sit back and evaluate what's going on and try to figure some things out, and uh, we'll see what he's able to do when he does come back, at least two games, like I said, maybe, uh, maybe more, but uh, for now at least two, and Anthony Richardson, I think, has been uh, even better than advertised. I mean, obviously, everybody knew about the athleticism, but 
Uh, he's actually looked pretty confident as a passer as well. Uh, Colts have been pretty competitive, but they also have a very, very capable backup in uh, Gardner Minshew, who has obviously worked with Shane Steichen before. Uh, so I think they'll be okay too, but uh, they're going to want to get Richardson back out there. He should be able to clear protocol, you would think, uh, and be back next week. But uh, we'll miss this week for the Colts. All right. Demon Minshew mania. Minshew mania. It's going to be fun until the Ravens pull ahead in the game. But it's going to be fun to watch for a little bit once, you, once, you know, once it's 0-0 zero, zero and it's like Minshew could do something. He's the starter. So it'll be fun for the first well, half. And to be fair, the Ravens have a ton of injuries, especially in the secondary. It's like the entire secondary's out. Uh, and weather should cooperate because, you know, while both teams want to keep the ball on the ground, uh, I think the Colts will want to shorten the game uh, and really play slow. And in this case, it uh, looks like it could be some pretty nasty weather and rain and wind out there. So uh, that could help the Colts stay close. I think they actually cover this. Ooh. I don't think they do. Oh, boy. I don't think they do. I'm not trying to make a. I'm not trying to make a show oh, bet. Oh boy, you don't need a show bet on this. Okay, one, please. <laughs> you already got one. You already got one riding on some pizzas and some uh, taquitos. Um, Adam, the number seven and a half now though. It's come down. Would you Would you take plus seven and a half of the Colts after oh. it was well above that at the beginning of the week? Yeah, I mean eight and a half is what I have, so I'm I'm much more comfortable there. Oh, you got it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very nice. Very nice. All right. The uh, the other team involved. Uh, here is now Carolina against Seattle. Um, make no mistake about it. I, f- I feel like these sports books are looking at both of these situations and they're like, eh, we actually like Minshew and Andy Dalton more than the existing quarterback. So what do you think of the number on Carolina and Seattle now sitting at what? Is it five and a half? Five and a half Seattle at home. I think Seattle gets healthy. Uh, I mean, they've already been okay, but I, I think it's a really, really tough spot uh, for Carolina, even though they have obviously a veteran quarterback and Andy Dalton who's still hanging around. Uh, I don't think they're going to scare anyone. Uh, and it, I, I wasn't necessarily high on Seattle this year, but they've looked good. They've continued to play well, so uh, I think Seattle kind of rolls. Damon? Yeah, Geno Smith, I don't know what you mean. They, they look good. They were always going to be good. The weapons that they have on offense, maybe they're not going to stop anybody. But I, I like Seattle. I like Geno. He didn't write back. He still he's still not good. Okay. But who's the who's well. the better quarterback in the game going into this game? Dalton or Geno? Geno. Geno. Dalton. Okay, Steve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what by the numbers last year when Andy Dalton played? Well, listen, you know what's happening right now. I'm so annoyed about the Jets quarterback situation that almost every backup is you know the apple of my eye. You really, you really need to be cheering for the uh, the Chargers this week. I think. Okay, you know what? Save that. Yeah. I want to hear why on the way back. So you're listening to uh, Cofield and Company. We're going to move into the second half of the show. We'll break down some more games, more picks. We'll have picks throughout Cofield and Company. The rest out of the way. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, rolling on, breaking down the NFL here on, uh, you heard it, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas, Adam Hill and Damon alongside. Adam, I'm, I'm going to get to your point that you we stopped on about rooting for the Chargers this weekend. I think I know where you're going, but... 
Um, for the audience that didn't hear it at the start of Cofield and Company, this is a massive music weekend in Vegas with, uh, what is it, the iHeart thing's going on, Life is Beautiful is going on, and then the Raiders come through again, or did they, with their halftime entertainment. Damon, are you on this? You like this with Lil Wayne? I love it. I wish I was going to be at the game now. How could you not? It's going to be it's the place to be. Little Wayne. Get him tickets. Yeah. No, I got to I actually got to run the board here. I'm running the board for the game. You, uh, oh, you're stuck at the yeah. studio. What a bummer. Someone's got to, you know, man the man the control station. Damon worked for the team. He's he's a better source for tickets than me. Oh my gosh! Don't say that because people would always hit me up for tickets. It's like, what do you guys think I am? You don't think I get thirty calls a week? It's ridiculous. How uh, often do you come through? Zero. I can, can't get tickets. Yeah. I, I mean, I could buy them for them you're, on StubHub. Connections. Sure. I mean, there's no tickets available. There, you can buy them on the secondary market. But you know what? I never did try to ask. You know, me and Will, we become boys more since I've you know. Not been does an employee. He, does he know that? Oh, so boys, <laughs> <laughs> boys. Will is the PR guy for the Raiders. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe not I should ask right him title, now. But you get my point. Yeah. Now that our relationship is stronger, now that I'm not an employee, maybe I should ask him. You should uh, try to get in. Actually, just just come in for the halftime show and leave. Tell me you don't want to see the game. <laughs> I will say it's a. There's a lot of credential requests this week. Uh, believe the Pittsburgh traveling contingent for media is over a hundred. Wow. And the which I assume a lot of those people don't actually travel to many games, but they're like, all right, yeah, I'm going to Vegas. And I believe uh, prime time network game. I think NBC has over 300 employees. Oh my god! Which might be the same thing. They probably travel like 12 to a usual game, and their entire network is like, yeah, we're going to Vegas. Good. Well, come in, have a good time, leave leave money at the tables, and uh, we're good to go. Uh, I will. I will point out. Like I talked to several players about how excited they are for Lil Wayne to be performing at halftime. Uh, many said they are going to try to sneak out a little bit early for warmups in the second half to try to catch whatever they can. Uh, but very interestingly, two guys that are not excited: Jakob Johnson and Jermaine Illuminor. Those Brits win no good hip hop. Said yeah, Jakob is German and Jermaine well, is one's is a German. British. So gonna yeah, take those shots. Europeans win no good yeah. hip hop if you hit him in the yeah. face. Jakob's yeah. German, yeah. Jermaine is British, and they both said Lil Wayne was just not a thing for them growing up, and uh, they've learned about him since, but didn't know a whole lot about him. The rest of the locker room was very excited. I I don't want to give away some other people's content, but I will. I believe Devonte rapped for the Raiders uh, in-house media. I think he dropped some Lil Wayne bars. Um, did you actually ask Jakob who he wants to play? Would it be like Ramstein? No, he gave me a list of German rappers, actually, and I couldn't pronounce any of them. I do. I do. Ha- I, I could just send. Uh, I, would, I would say I would send the audio to the mom, but there's a lot of cursing in it. But, yeah, he gave me a list of, like, uh, German rappers that he was into. Awful. I do listen to some British rap, though. Uh, It doesn't have to be. By the way, it doesn't have to be rap. Yeah, 21 Savage is British. Well, uh, Illuminor could be, I don't know, who would he be down with? Well, I will say I did. So there was people saying, what is British music? Do they even have music? And I pointed out. What? Yeah, the Beatles. Uh, Jermaine then said, yeah, we have the Beatles. And then. 
Andre James said, can you even name one Beatles song? And he could not. <laughs> Why would he only say the Beatles? No, I said, because they, they were p- pushing him on, like, what is British music? And he couldn't really come up with anything. And I said, what about the Beatles? And then I said, also Spice Girls. And that, you know, he didn't like that one. But um, there is obviously a lot of good British music. But then when they, when Jermaine did claim the Beatles, he could not name a song. Should have thrown him a better lifeline. Yeah. Could have named anyone. Oasis? There's there's a, exactly, there's a billion just from the 80s, and I know it's before him, but it's still, it's timeless music, my friends. Sadly, he also went to college in Texas, so he got into some country oh, music, boy. too, which is not good. So he's probably a country music fan. Yeah, we found that out this week, actually. Uh, Caleb Herring talked to Cam Oliver on the UNLV football team, and and Cam was saying that his dad got him into some classic country, and then oh. we were trying to think, like, okay, what's classic for a guy who's, like, 21 years old? It's uh, it's Hank Williams Jr. No, I don't think it was. It, it was. Like, his, uh, if it's his dad's music. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Maybe he's into outlaw country. I would like that. Yeah. That'd be cool. Sure. Waylon Jennings? Wow, you're really pulling him out. Nice shot. Is that a, well, that's, my, that's what my dad listens to. I've heard it. Does he? Your yeah. Dad, your dad is an outlaw. Yeah, he is. He's, he's very much an yeah. outlaw. Um, speaking of outlaws, Colorado against Oregon this week. And, uh, well, we know was a little, Lil Wayne was at the game last week, right? Wasn't he in uh, Boulder? Yep, he was. He walked out. He walked Dion out to the field. Oh, that's right. He did walk him out. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. What are we doing with this game now? We've had a whole week to think about it. Uh, we know that uh, Demon and I have an over/under seven win total bet. Now he reset the number. Uh, is there a chance that Colorado keeps this going and pulls off a massive upset? Which, by the way, the price—I feel like the price on plus twenty-one, the money line of plus six fifty—isn't very fair. That's a little. Does that sound like a great bet. Um. Well, what is, what's the money line on the Michigan Rutgers? I'll, I can look that up. It's, it's. I don't think it's that much different. Uh, That's a good point. Yeah. I. Look, I think I think they're going to get blown out, and I thought they were already going to get blown out. But not not having Travis Hunter is a massive blow. You lose your best receiver and your best corner at the same time. Like that's tough. Uh, and somebody who never leaves the field. So I mean, I think that's going to be a factor. But I do think they're going to get crushed anyway. I think it's it's possible they cover like back door, maybe down like thirty and score too late, something like that. But I, I think it's going to get ugly. When I figure to cover twenty one. Um, Oregon's going to have to go north of 45 points on their side. Right? There's no, there's no way this is like a 38 to 14 game. Uh, it's possible, but I don't think so. I think it's like a 51-17 it could be. But, no, I think they are going to score late. I think they'll backdoor it. So, say 44-27. Really? I, I think it's going to be more like uh, – I don't know, 55-31. I don't think they're going to be able to stop Oregon at all. No, me neither. And it could be in the 60s. How about that? Does Come that on, hurt? Steve. No, no Steve, now you're, so, you're saying too much. Bo Nix, he might have America fool, but he doesn't have me fooled. Not that good. Is I'll that say right? it. Yes. They shouldn't be throwing anyway. I don't know why yes. I don't know why teams are getting into this, like, playing. You're allowing Colorado to use the athletes on the outside effectively. Right. You should be running every single down crushing them and, then, them and then slowing them down 
on the defensive side by playing, you know, playing two deep shells and just making them do everything underneath. Like that's how you should play against them. And nobody's doing it yet. It's it's what I said after game one when I thought they were going to be much better than people thought. After game one, I said they're not good, and they're not. So I mean, it's all fun. I love watching it. And I love being a part, like experiencing this. But they're not a good team, and they're going to be exposed by teams that actually play the right way. You guys have now Adam, made did it. You want to know? Did Did you want to know what the money line is for uh, tw- plus twenty one Colorado Buffaloes? The money line is plus five fifty. Uh, plus twenty four Rutgers against Michigan. The money line is plus twelve fifty. Wow. So to my point, six fifty and now five fifty sucks but it's such a popular bet that the books are like hey these idiots keep taking it so let's roll with it yeah and i mean they're, they're already trying to get you know they're trying to get out of some of this money anyways there's so many uh so much exposure on long-term bets and futures and props and season win totals and all that so uh they don't want any more money on colorado than they already have for sure uh nfl so jets this weekend are now getting two and a half against the patriots there's you know all the talk about what a genius belichick is and he has been really good against young quarterbacks that he'll just crush zach wilson who would you bet in this game oh man i know it's not it's not an easy it's it is not easy to lay these points here because belichick's offense man it's not been, good. It's been better than. I mean, it's been better than last year. So, yeah. so what does that mean? So not now much. they're now they're a, an eighteen point per game team. No, I'm. I mean, I was a little bit surprised to see that the Patriots came favored as the opener. I thought it might be Jets one or two, um, but it does tell you just how how little respect the market has for Zach Wilson. And after last week, that's not much of a surprise. Uh, he was yeah. a disaster. So, uh, I kind of think the Jets win this game, but I'm not willing to bet on it. The Jets are also without Dwayne Brown, which I don't know if it's a bad thing, but the problem is once you start going to backups, like if Billy Turner were any good, he'd be out there as one of the tackles. So he's going to be out there most likely at left tackle. The other thing that irks me, and everything irks me about the Jets right now, did you see who the Jets called to try to bring in as a quarterback? I mean, uh, there's rumors of a lot of different guys, but which one are you referring to? Uh, Chad Henney was on some interview, and he said, yeah, they reached out to me. And, uh, you know, I'm going to start using we. Like, what are we doing? What's the point? Chad Henney? Stop. Go well, get then, someone real. I mean, Robert, Robert Griffin said they were reaching out to him. Well, that's, that's absurd as well. <laughs> I, I want someone who's played the game. I actually want someone who's on a roster now. Go make a trade. Spend a little draft capital. Um, all right, so you teased about 10 minutes ago that uh, I should be rooting for the Chargers, and, and why is that? Because of Kirk Cousins' availability? Yeah, I mean, if, if, the, if the Vikings keep losing, Kirk Cousins should be available. And at some point, I mean, don't you have? There's no commitment long term to him uh, right. because the contract runs out. So, don't you have to make that call if you're the Jets at some point? Yes, but they're they're reaching out to Chad Henney. Well, for now, what I mean, is going on? That doesn't mean they didn't reach out about Kirk Cousins already. But if they lose another two games, why would the Vikings keep him? But what if it's too late for the Jets at that point? Then they could also lose another yeah, two games. Sure. Sure. Exactly. And by, by the way, the Jets potentially waiting for a better quarterback to become available. How quickly can that person come in, learn the offense, and be ready to go? So every week you waste talking to Chad Hennies and trying to get Zach Wilson ready for the game is another week uh, wasted in terms of bringing in someone good or decent or better than Zach Wilson. 
Wilson. Really, there's, they're not going to get someone much better unless it is Kirk Cousins, but it, it's hurting that next quarterback's cause. Well, if Sean Payton continues to be frustrated with Russ, Russell Wilson and Hackett reunion? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, this is another one. we got to carry this over. Um, the guys on ESPN Radio, most of them, and the guys on ESPN TV, the lack of knowledge about the Chargers and Staley is embarrassing. He's just become this punching bag. And I heard this whole rant today by Chris Canty, who uh, you know was going on a story that, hey, the Chargers had a chance to get Sean Payton, and, oh, that's terrible. Uh, JBT had a really good question yesterday. Is Sean Payton any good? Do we even know yet? Well, he's good without Russell Wilson. Okay, well, he's got Russell Wilson now. Would he have been good with Justin Herbert? I think so. I don't know that. I don't know if he might be George Seifert for all we know, who was you know won Super Bowls with the Niners and was like out of the league in four years with Carolina. It's possible. I mean, I, I, I would. I mean, I'm a Staley guy, so it's kind of difficult for me for me to say that. I think they're going to turn it around. I think they're still going to have a pretty good season. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to ask the question. Five o'clock hours on the way. We'll go uh, deep dive on all the stories around the Raiders and also investigate what's going on with the Steelers team. Are they beatable because their offense has looked so mundane?